Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Well, hello there and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help people like you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. I'm super excited to have you here. And if you are returning, welcome back. You are absolutely what makes this show possible. And I appreciate you so much. Air hugs from my studio here to wherever wherever the world you are. And whether you are new or returning, I am super excited because today you and I get to hang out with my good friend, Jason Campbell. For the last 27 years, Jason has been teaching meditation and wellness. His journey began 43 years ago at age eight when he began his meditation practice through deep listening through music. He is a seventh degree black belt in Kung Fu and the co-founder of Zen Wellness. His unique perspective on health, Wellness and spiritual growth comes from his lifelong study of both music and the ancient arts of Eastern health, medicine, meditation, and enlightenment. His whole adult life has been an effort to combine Eastern arts, meditation, and music. Jason has over one 100 albums and has been number one on multiple Billboard and Amazon charts and has had five Billboard top five albums in a five-month period in 2019. He just released his 26th album in 26 months. You heard that right. That means he's producing one album a month, which is just nuts. (laughs) And his most recent one was titled Zen Piano Adverse Enthusiasm. His music catalog contains more songs than the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Led Zeppelin combined. (laughs) He is also the director of music for Genius X Virtual Reality and writes music and meditation for other programs such as Happy, Chili Sleep, and Focus at Will, and runs an entrepreneurial mastermind called Zen Business Mastery. His music has opened meditation to thousands of people who have never meditated before or who have tried meditation and have failed in their effort to simply sit still and clear the mind. And in this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, the story of how as a kid, Jason asked his martial arts instructor what the meaning of Zen was. And his martial arts instructor responded by sidekicking him into a wall and walking away. (laughs) So you'll have to listen till around 45 minutes in when Jason shares that story and how you can learn the lesson from that experience without actually having to get sidekicked into a wall. (laughs) Number two, how you can get better results in the gym by simply breathing more effectively and using 
using your mind the right way. And number three, at the very end, Jason actually plays some music for us live so you can experience some of it right on the podcast. He has absolutely the coolest Zoom slash studio setup. He just hops from the Zoom camera and just goes directly to his piano. And so he plays all that and that was recorded live when we recorded this podcast. So super excited for you to listen to that. So all that is to come. And before I kick things off with Jason, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to Spencer C123, love that rhyme, who said, Brandon is the man. I love the variety of expertise and skill sets of guests on the show. This is always a great pick-me-up during the day. I enjoy the mixture of insights for creating success in many areas of life, inspiring me to have a fun, meaningful, and balanced life. Thanks, Brandon, for all you do. So thank you, Spencer C123, for leaving that incredible review. And if you are a returning listener and you have haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, you can head to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. And that is seven, the number and millennials is spelled M I L L E N N I L S. I just recently learned that that's kind of a tough one to spell for people. So that's sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review to find out exactly how to leave a review. And if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a little thank you gift that I'd like to give you that reveals exactly how I get incredible guests like Jason on the show and how you can get the high level connections you need to grow your business. So again, that can be found at seven, the number figuremillennials.com slash review. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Jason Campbell. If you had to pick between a making a ton of money, B being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love or C making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Jason Campbell, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. So I wanted to start by uh, explaining how awesome you are, of course. <laughs> but like, I wanted to start by saying that uh, telling the story about when we first met. So I met, I met you at Genius Network. And the the biggest testimonial that I think you have is a testimony that you carry around with you. And that is your face. <laughs> because I'll never forget the first time I met you, I was having this conversation. And I was thinking that you were like in your mid 30s. And I found out how old are you now? You're, you're 51. Yeah, 51. 51. My gosh. So if you're listening to this right now, like before you do anything else, maybe I linked it up in the show notes, go look at the show notes and just see Jason's radiant face because it's a true testimonial to the work that he does because he just radiates peacefulness and calm. And so uh, I'm really excited to dive into all the incredible things you do to to remain healthy and to help other people to to uh, go on their own experiences of, of health. But I thought we'd start. Um, I, I know you talk a lot about your experience with discovering meditation. And maybe we can go into that in a little bit. But part of your bio, you talk about you had a profound healing experience through Qigong uh, when you were in your teens, if I saw correctly. So I would love to hear that story because I've never heard you tell that story about this healing experience that really set you down this path. Yeah, well, you know what? And let's we can even we can even back up. We can go back to um, my entry point to meditation. Sure. Actually happened at age eight. So I guess that'd be 43 years ago. And it happened on the piano. I had a piano teacher that said to me, never, ever listen to notes. Idiots, listen to notes. Masters, listen to the space in between the notes. 
Because when you listen to a note, your mind is cluttered. You hear nothing. When you listen to space, your mind gets clear and you hear everything. And that was me as a little eight-year-old. And I was like, okay, so let's do this. And really at the time, I don't know that it was that profound for me because you're learning a lot of things at eight. (laughs) Everything is new. And so we would play one note on the piano, just dung, and we just listen to that note dissolve into nothingness. And there was this, the, the time of like something and nothing. At what point does it turn into silence and sound? And you focus your attention on that and your head just gets very clear. And another way of saying a clear head, the very simple or practical way is you turn off the voice in the head. The incessant stream of thinking. Sometimes it's referred to as the monkey mind, the blah, 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 the chatter, because you and I are having a conversation and you, the listener, I'm going to talk to you right now. There's a really good chance that you are having an inner dialogue right now. And it's commenting on what we're talking about, or maybe it's on something completely different that you're involved in. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but there's a really good chance that you have a voice in the head. And okay, that's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We all have the voice in the head. So you'll you'll never change it and you'll never shut it up completely. But part of the cultivation and part of a skill set, and especially as an entrepreneur, the skill set of having like an off switch or even a volume button where you can turn the voice down, I'll take that. Eventually it's an off switch, but I'll start you off with a volume switch, is very, very valuable. Because when you can turn that off, you tap into a level of creativity, a level of serenity, a level of clarity that you can't get when it's on. And it's estimated we have 50-ish to 80-ish thousand thoughts a day. 99% of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday. So most of your recurring thoughts you don't need. You'll do just fine without them. And having that is very, very powerful. Now, it wasn't until about a decade later in my life that I was, um, that I realized when I was formally trained in meditation, you know, sitting down for four hours at a time in the ashram and doing that, that I said, oh, wait a minute, I've been doing this all these years. My entry point was with sound and silence but it doesn't matter how you get there. It just matters that you get there. There's many ways of meditation. You know, even in our organization, I mean, we've been teaching this for decades. There's three types, sitting, standing, and moving meditation. And for some people, especially entrepreneurs, the sitting and doing meditation can be very, very difficult. It actually gets stressful because you're sitting there and then your mind is racing. And so, oh my God, I could be getting more things done. And I'm sitting here meditation. I don't understand. What's this whole thing that meditation that everyone else does? I, I'd say probably 70% of the entrepreneurs that we work with. So that's their entry point and their starting point in meditation. And, and we have a lot of solutions. I have music, we have breath work, we have different types of you know movement that we can do. But sometimes we will start with either movement or breath work, where it's not just the sitting. We'll get to the sitting because that's actually a very important part when you learn how to turn off your thoughts because that opens you up into a whole new world. And it's the, okay, if you're just listening, I have a snow globe in my hand and I'm shaking the snow globe. Okay, snow globe shaken, that's turbid. That's your head. It's kind of like that's your head on thoughts. And (laughs) if I make the snow globe still right now, it's getting more and more still that then the snow globe 
the turbidity settles. And then once that starts to settle, and then we're going to have clarity. And that's <laughs> sitting down and getting your head right and having clarity in your head. That's part of my uh, technique while, I'm, while or why it's one of the reasons why I'm able to produce a large amount of music. I just released my 25th album in 25 months. And how do I do it? Well, a bunch of ways to do it, but one way of do it, one way is I'll sit at the piano and I'll just go into silence. I'll go into nothing and I'll just wait. And I go into the point of nothing and I wait until the theme comes. I wait until the idea comes. I wait until something comes and it always does 100% of the time guaranteed. Now it's not always good. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's a really stupid idea, but okay, it's something. And then I look at it and I, you know, I, or this, I, you know, play it and I hear it, but you know, kind of in my head, I'm looking at it like, what are you? Okay. What do you develop into? Hmm. You know, and I, I talk to it and back and forth and sometimes no, no good. You're not the right one. It's like auditioning, but you go to the audition store, the audition for ideas and the audition for themes, but that's, I'm using a context of music, but that's anyone entrepreneurial because in entrepreneurialism, you, 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 that's an art and you're an artist, whether you like it or not, you're an artist. And part of being an artist is nonlinear. See, creativity comes from nonlinear thinking getting things done comes from linear thinking. Mm. And so you have to, that's one of the hard things. A lot of times entrepreneurs are scatterbrains because <laughs> they're all over the place because they're nonlinear thinking more like artists and then getting things done and having a list and checking things on, on a list. Sometimes is very, very hard for a, uh, for a creative. It, it's, it's different. It's kind of like a, you know, COO type of work. Uh, you know, chief operating officer is usually very linear. They have a very linear mind, how they think A to B to C, uh, whereas the creatives usually don't. Usually a creative's a, a lousy COO. Yeah, man. Okay, so you just opened the doors to like a bajillion. That, 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 that's going to be a great overview of everything we're going to dive into because that was, that was awesome. And I love your snow globe analogy. I think it's such a visual way of people understanding what is going on inside their brain. But I wanted to kind of take so So we had this first experience where you're sitting at the piano and your, your music teacher plays the note. And that's when you start to realize, well, not you didn't start to realize it then, but that was your first experience with meditation. But what, what, uh, the one thing I wanted to highlight is what was the moment where you decided to dedicate your life to this? Because you've been doing this for 30 years. You've helped so many people with 30 plus years, you've helped so many people do this. So that, that what was there a profound healing experience or what was that thing that you had? There was a as bunch a of things. That yeah. So, you know, so the profound healing experience uh, was I had when I was, 19, I got a really bad case of carpal tunnel because I was mm. playing my music so much. I, I was in, uh, I was in music college. I went to Berkeley music college. And when I went in to go see, uh, one of my, you know, what wound up being my, my teacher who, who first, you know, really, I, I did a really deep dive into, you know, meditation and medicine and martial arts and the Qigong and the Tai Chi. You know, I walked in as a kid and I said, Hey, you know, I have some carpal tunnel and, uh, can, can you help me with it? And he looked at me like really intensely. He says, carpal tunnel. Okay. Do you want to fix it? I said, yeah, I want to fix it. He goes, no, no, no. Do you want to fix it? I'm like, uh, okay. Yes. I want to fix it. Do you want to fix it? Are you serious or not? Cause if you're not, get out of here. 
That was my that was my entry point. You got to remember, this is the late '80s, different time yeah. periods. <laughs> and so I looked at him. I could feel there was a. I could just feel there was a focus, and there was also a sincerity there. And I said, "Yeah, okay, yes, I do." He goes, "Okay, good. Then you have to do everything I say. You can't question me." Very Chinese, very, 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 very Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) I'm I'm two minutes into this relationship here. Now it's, you have to do everything I say and you can't question me. Okay. But it really was that. I mean, I I was in front of a master and I, you know, I, I felt something. I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. He says, good. He goes, you know, get out of here. And And he looks at me, he stands up and he goes, carpal tunnel. You have carpal tunnel and he had a a steel peg and he threw it at me i caught it and i looked at it and i was like well i'm thinking why is this crazy guy throwing a steel peg at me he goes that peg was in my leg i had my leg cut off by a boat it took me seven years to get out of a wheelchair another three to get rid of my limp carpal tunnel ah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quite the introduction <laughs> yeah it was you know well it was uh you know blue blue pill red pill here from the matrix and that was such a brilliant teaching for me at the time because in my mind when i walked in there on a scale of one to ten my carpal tunnel problem was a ten it was a, it was also a problem i'm looking at okay I'm, I'm in music school i'm playing i'm i'm in this whole art and what am i going to do here well he made the problem a three for me and it was very very smart what he did very very smart i mean very very intense and he was very sincere and he wasn't trying to be he was just being himself and then okay so let's forward fast forward 30 days later completely gone he showed me these exercises. He showed me some breath work. He showed me how to put mind and mind intent into my body. That's something that's missing in you know, most wellness programs about actually using intention, using mind, putting it in a, the part of your body, using the energy flow. He showed me all that in 30 days, completely gone. Now, granted, I thought he was trying to kill me at some points. I, I, it was so <laughs> hard. I almost wanted to cry. Some of the exercises that we we're doing, it's just you know going beyond what you think you're physically capable of doing and someone pushes you way, way beyond that. So that did happen. Um, but it was 30 days. He was right. He, he was completely right. And it was right around then that I could see that all these arts were the same, that art is art. And what what you and I were just talking about a moment ago, whether you're, swinging a sword, whether you're playing the piano, <laughs> whether you're think solving a problem, whether you're doing a, a brush stroke, whether you're, you know, involved in medicine or breath work or chi- it's all the same. An entrepreneur, the word entrepreneur comes from, usually we'll, we'll talk about the French definition of entrepreneur, which means it's, I think 16th or 17th century, it roughly translates to raise the yield of goods or frequency or of goods or services. Okay. You, you know, you buy a widget for a dollar, you sell it for $5. Hey, you're an entrepreneur because you raised the yield and sometimes yield can be efficiency. You know, you raise the efficiency. Well, I wrote this book about a deck, uh, you know, think 12 years ago or so. And I spoke about a spiritual entrepreneur. It's not just raises the yield of goods and services, but you raise the yield of vibrational frequency. And so you're raising, you know, literally raising frequency. Okay. But if you even go back to the Vedic and this stuff is old, if you go, go Vedic and look at the Sanskrit word for entrepreneur, it's Vaishya is the word. And what that roughly means is someone that can see 
The word vidya is like the Sanskrit. That's where we get video and vidya means to see and vaishya is it's like from the same root. So it's one that can see is an entrepreneur. Hmm. Man, again, so many doors open. Now we have to, just, I have to go chase some of those doors. So I'm just going to pick one because you gave so many interesting things. But one of the things you talked about was breath work. And I know this is like a key component to all the yeah. healing that you teach and the, the reducing aging and all that kind of stuff. And this is, I think, a topic that we don't talk about that much just because, you know, we talk about what you can put in your body. We talk about drinking water. We talk about eating correctly. And, you know, we can go weeks without eating. We can go a few days without water, but we, the average person can only go a few minutes without air. And maybe you can go 30 days because you're, you're a ninja, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's, so no duh breathing is important, but like what we very, very talk about rarely talk about how to breathe effectively. So, and also the benefits of breathing correctly. So maybe let's just start with the foundation then we'll go into how to breathe more uh, correctly, but like what, what is breathing doing for our bodies? Maybe give us like a high level overview before we go into the nitty gritty. Well, let's even back up more. So let, let's look at what are we made up of? Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is real, real, you know, broad stroke flyover, basically three things We're made up of matter, energy, and consciousness. And the matter is everything you can see, touch, and feel. The energy is the chi, the breath, the emotion, the bioelectrical energy that animates us. And that when you don't have the chi anymore, well, then it's, you're all, you're all, it's just the matter. It's death. Uh, I believe in the Bible, they say, gave up the ghost, you know, gives up the chi, the chi go, the chi goes away. And then the last one is consciousness. We can call it spirit. We can call it the eternal I am. Uh, doesn't matter what word we're going to use in that, but that's the observer. That's the little observer because we have the thoughts that go blah, 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 blah. And then we have that which observes the thoughts. You and I were just talking about it. It's even ingrained in the word human being. Human changes. The being doesn't change. The, the being like you and I and everyone, you, I, and the listener, so this is like a little three-way conversation we're having with the, with, with the listener. It, we're all the same as we were when we were eight from a being viewpoint, from the observer. From the human viewpoint, well, we're all very different than when we were eight, unless you're an eight-year-old listening, and then you were different than when you were five. So that constantly, constantly changes. And so, okay, so we're made up of matter, energy, and consciousness. And the analogy I like to use is if we have H2O, Like if I say H2O, usually you think of water, but water actually shows up as solid, liquid, and vapor. And think of that. And then if there's a physicist, you think, oh, wait a minute, there's plasma. Okay, that's 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 for another conversation. But let's just think uh, ice, water, and mist, matter, energy, and consciousness. And then the words, this is a very old concept. They figured this out thousands of years ago. They call it Jing, Qi, and Shun. But we can just think of it as, again, matter, energy, and consciousness. So, okay. So, there's a whole teaching. And ultimately, you want to align the three. The, the movement, the breath, and the intention. And so, if you go to the gym. Okay, there's a lot of... Uh, we could go down that rabbit hole, but let's just, let's just stick with that. You go to the gym and let's say you lift weights. Let's say you do curls. I'm just, I'm just making up an exercise. This could be anything. And I cloned you and I'm going to clone you into three people. And the first one just does the curls. Okay. And you do it like you normally do it. That's great. It's better than not doing it. Usually as long as you don't injure, injure yourself. But the second one, we're going to add breath. And so, 
So like when you exert force, generally you tend to breathe out. Or if you're doing a bench press, when you push it away, you're breathing out. When it comes back in, you breathe in. Ah, but then the third person. We're going to not only add breath, but we're going to add mind. We're going to add intention. So now you close your eyes and you put your mind right into whatever area you're pushing or whatever area you're exercising. If we're going to do the curl right in your bicep and you're, you're not looking at anything, not looking at the whatever distractions there are going to be in a gym. There's plenty of them. You close your <laughs> eyes, you breathe, you put your mind in and you do it. Well, okay. So all three people, all three clones spent the same amount of time, but you know, the, the second one is going to get a greater ROI than the first one return on investment. And the third one's going to get a greater ROI than the, than the first two, same amount of time. What was the difference? We added breath and intention. And so movement, breath and intention. So if you can do that now we have, and I give you know, a whole series of, of, of exercises and breath work. And some of them are for circulation. Some of them are for strength. Some of them are for flexibility. Um, but they're all about movement, breath, and intention to just make yourself better and make yourself stronger. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you say the word, okay, this is back to the energy and the breath, and you'll, you'll see where the tie-in is in a moment. If you say, I am angry, let's look at that word for a moment. That's not correct. Because I am angry. So what? You're a vibrational frequency of anger. Anger is an energy. And now you're that energy. No, you're, you lost your mind. I could say you've lost your mind if you think that, if you say I am angry. But it's not I am angry. It's I have anger type energy running through me. Ah, oh, mm. that's correct. I am a little dollop of consciousness or God that that gets issued this big bag of rotting flesh and bones <laughs> and, and, you know, that expires at a certain period of time. It's not even mine. It's not my body. It's the body I live in because at some point you give it back. Right. And so, and so when we look at emotion and part of this, part of entrepreneurialism and part of what, you know, what I teach is emotional mastery for the entrepreneur. It's not, I am anger. It's I have angry or I am angry. It's I have anger type energy running through me. Now there's a little bit of space between you and the emotion because it's very real. Like, like, and anger is the energy. Okay. So for back to matter, energy, and consciousness, energy and breath all move in like the second one. Like they're like water, you know, solid, you know, liquid in the vapor. So th think, think of that as the liquid and it's all flow through. And so how do you regulate your emotions? The first way is through the breath. It's the easiest way to do it. It's the fastest path there of regulating it through the breath. I get much faster results starting with breath work than starting with the sitting meditation. That's why I usually will start with the, with, with the breath work because then you, you learn to purge the emotion because Zen is not about have, not having emotion. That's actually impossible. If you really go into emotional mastery, the different emotions hang out in different organs in your body. Anger hangs out in your liver. Uh, grief hangs out in your lungs. Shock hangs out in your heart. Worry hangs out in your stomach and spleen. And fear hangs out in your kidneys. And this is very old. They figured this out thousands of years ago. And so once the energy is there, anger, let's, again, let's use anger. Well, then the only thing you really need to do is purge it. You just get it out of you. It's a vibrational frequency. And okay, it's not the first time, not the last time. And you want to have the mastery of how to purge it. It's almost like using the bathroom <laughs> the same way. We all, we all understand that matter comes in, matter goes out. Okay, we, we, have, we have plumbing for that. But the same thing has to happen emotionally because emotions come in and we have to purge dark emotions. There's no getting around dark emotions. And Zen is not, oh, I don't have any dark emotions. No, not at all. 
It's just mastery of them. It'd be like saying, you know, I don't use the bathroom anymore. No, that's not going to happen. So it's the same idea of flow through. So there, therefore, the breath, the first thing is just emotional. Now, there's a whole series of health benefits with the breath because we have between like 17,000, 23,000-ish breaths a day, it's estimated. But most of those are with, without any mind intent. There's no mind behind it. It's just automatic breathing. It's bringing in enough oxygen so you don't die and your body's programmed to do it. So you don't have to think about it. You'll just do it naturally. And so when you can start to add mind intent into the breath and through, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole series of, 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 yeah. of, of breath work. There's a lot this of things that we can probably do. Leads us to another <laughs> five days of conversation in and of itself. Yeah. But okay. So let me, let me just kind of summarize what I've kind of gleaned mm-hmm. from this, 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 uh, you know, bar of gold genius that you just dropped on us here is that like the breath, like you explained how at the gym, we have three different people that can have, you know, one that's just doing curls, one that's breathing and one that has the mind and is curling at the same time. And so that kind of opened the conversation to us understanding the power of combining your breath with uh, intention and understanding the importance of that. And so if we take that understanding and we, we combine that with the, the, what you just shared about the fact that our emotions are stored in different parts of our body, we can use breath to cleanse these different components. And this came from your site that I saw. And that was why I was interested in diving into this is that it says on your site, breathing is one of our largest systems for waste removal. 70% of the waste products produced in our body are supposed to be removed via breathing. 20% are removed via the skin and only 10% should remain for the kidneys and the digestive system to eliminate. So by not understanding how to breathe effectively, we are not leveraging our system the way that it was set up appropriately to actually clean ourselves of what is going on inside of our body. So with that understanding in mind, how can we, is there any exercises that you have um, that we can start to breathe or maybe even talk about how to breathe? Cause I know there's, there's a whole difference between chest breathing and abdomen breathing. So wherever you want to take it, but let's start diving into the subject of like, now that we understand the importance of breath, how can we actually breathe more effectively? Cause most people haven't even thought about how to breathe better. <laughs> okay. So there's a few ways that we can start with the breath. The simplest one is something called box breathing. And I have a whole series of albums that I, that I wrote that, uh, have timers like little bells that go on every four seconds for box breathing. But here it is. All you do is let's use four seconds, for example. So you just breathe in for four seconds, inhale, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, And hold the exhalation for four seconds. Let's do it one more time. And inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Okay, and that was two rounds. Uh, And I can give you links to, I have a whole series of albums that have songs that are five minutes long. And there's a bell every four seconds. So you do a five minute breathwork meditation, you breathe in and the bell will tell you what to do. So you don't have to think about timing. You don't have to think about the five minutes. You just do one song for it. As you get stronger, you do two bells, breathe in for eight seconds. As you get stronger, three bells, Mm. breathe in for 12 seconds. And then you build that up. That is such a simple way uh, to do it in that you can get started. And it's something that can be like with, with what I just told you, anyone can do it with that. Yeah. Now there's different details of where you breathe in, what part of your body you breathe into, what does your tongue do, what do the outside of your lips do? I mean, so there's a lot of like little well, 
nuanced details. Let's start with like the 80 20. Cause I know, can you maybe talk about the difference between chest breathing and abdomen breathing and then mouth breathing versus nose breathing? Cause I think those are like the most important things. So sure. maybe if you could share those two things. Well, and here's when, when usually when, when we start, uh, I, I tell you, you do everything through your nose, always breathe in through your nose, never breathe in through your mouth, but you can, can breathe out through your mouth. You can breathe out through your nose, but the simplest thing is just breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your nose. And then you can take your tongue, touch the roof of your mouth when you do it and keep your mouth closed. That is a, that just works for everyone that works anytime. The reason you do the tongue, there's a bunch of reasons. One, it starts to create moisture in the mouth and two, it starts to connect. There's an internal energetic circuits. Like there's a, we have a wiring of chi and that just helps to connect a circuit. And so that's the very like simplest thing. The second thing is if you can breathe in your lower abdomen opposed to your chest, think of your lower abdomen as filling up a balloon and then, and then exhaling. Well, do you want to do like a minute? Want me to share some music? And yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's absolutely do that. And just, so as we do this minute, uh, Jason's going to hop over to his, are you going to do the piano or I don't know how you want to do that afterwards. I'll just do one of these tracks here. Sweet. All right. So we're going to play a track. So just keep that in mind. So breathe through your nose with a tongue to the roof of your mouth, and then also do the breathing through your uh, stomach. And and a a good visualization of this is if you've ever seen a child breathe or a kid breathe, Mm, they naturally breathe through their stomach. So like you, if you watch a kid sleeping, which is, it sounds kind of creepy, but like if you if you have a, if you ever see a kid, they breathe naturally through their stomachs and we've conditioned ourselves out of actually doing things this way. So yeah, with that in mind, would love to, let's just do like dive into this. 60 seconds. Cool. So relax your shoulders, relax your neck. We're going to fill up the bottom third of your stomach, like a balloon. Inhale. Now hold this inhalation. Exhale. Hold the exhalation. This is a little weird until you get used to it. So inhale, think of a balloon in the bottom third of your stomach. Hold. It's just four seconds. Exhale. And hold. Four seconds. Okay, now inhale. Keep inhaling, we're gonna do eight seconds. And hold the inhalation. Let your jaw relax and your neck relax. Exhale. Keep exhaling. Now this is the magic. Hold the exhalation. Don't breathe in right now. Make your lower abdomen a little tight. Inhale. Keep inhaling. This is the last one. Hold. Keep holding. Exhale. Keep exhaling. This is the magic. Hold the exhalation. Relax your shoulders. And finish. Big breath in, all the way. Keep breathing in. Exhale, all the way, and finish. Okay, and that was 60 seconds. And it's amazing what you can do in 60 (laughs) seconds. That song goes on for five minutes. So if you just put on one song, what you'll find is the, the, it will go by real fast. 
that's part of the, doing this with music. It just everything moves quickly and it just makes the whole process so much easier. So if you participated in that and doing that, I will encourage you um, to just do that for five minutes. Do that for five minutes a day, every day for a week and see how you feel. It's yeah, really, and- really amazing. I will say too, as part of my workflow, I mean, I, I, this is probably don't have time to go into all of this, but like, basically I work in 50 minute increments and I usually try to take a break in between a 50 minute session into the next one, usually about 10 minutes. And so what I've started doing is like those spaces of 10 minutes are Mm. perfect for, you know, five minutes of breathing, three minutes of breathing and go check out, we'll have links to the, in the show notes, but like Jason has how many albums now? 30 plus albums. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, so if you, if you want to, if you want to some, you don't have to follow my structure of 50 minutes, 10 minutes, but like, you know, if you are intentional, this is my structure I'm very intentional about what I'm going to do for an hour or 50 minutes. And then I stop and then I'll usually get up and go to the bathroom, walk around a little bit, but every few work sessions, I'll just put on one of Jason's songs, or I'll just take a second, maybe even no music and just kind of just take, take some breaths. And so that's kind of an easy way that I've found a way to fit it into my day-to-day routine is just in between these sessions, because I found that if I keep going and going and going, you know, your, your brain gets too much, but like, if you have a second that you can just allow yourself to breathe, it actually improves the quality of your next session. So that's how I've integrated it. On so many levels. And actually, really what you point to is something that's quite profound. And it's about sharpening your blade. You know, you take time throughout the day to sharpen the blade. The blade is here. It's in the mind, but it's also in the body. It's also in the emotions. And getting up and getting out of the room and walking and standing up. And even I suggest always go outside and just go outside. Because one thing it does is it, it resets your body. It also resets your ears. When you're in the same room for a while, your ears get used to the acoustics that are in the room. Mm. This is all subconscious. And then you go out, you go into a different acoustical setting. It just kind of resets. Then when you go outside, it completely uh, resets as well. So you get up and pump life in your body. We weren't meant to sit at a computer all day staring at a Zoom screen. Like biologically, we weren't designed for that. And the irony is here you and I are. Stare, sitting down, <laughs> staring at a Zoom screen. <laughs> so you just have to know that. I mean, I love the technology and the ability to communicate and to communicate all this wisdom and all this information through technology where you can, you know, listen to this on a phone or whatever in transit. An amazing concept. However, know that we weren't meant to do that. And you got to get up. You have to pump life in your body because there's an old saying that death begins in the big toe. And what does that mean? It means the big toe is the farthest away from your center. Like where all all your organs, where all the action is and the energy, the blood, the chi takes the longest to go to your big toe. That's why if we're going to get frostbite, it's going to be in the fingertips and toes. The body intuitively knows to sacrifice a pinky or a toe for a kidney. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we start to, you know, if you lose the energy, if you have to conserve, that's what goes first. Okay. So what does that mean? Is that you want to pump energy and pump life into your pinkies and toes. And you get that through movement, through movement and breath, not through sitting down and staring at a computer screen. Yeah. And I, so in, in my research, I saw it came across this thing where you talk about how you can solve 50 to 80% of your emotional problems just by breathing. So is what we already covered, is that kind of like the, the, the basis of it, or like, maybe let's just kind of role play for a second. So we talk about, I have 
I have anger energy flowing through me. <laughs> so that's an emotional problem. So is the, is the answer simply to just sit down and do one of these five minute things? Or is there more to it than just that? Well, and when I say the 50%, because see, there's two types of things when it, when it comes to emotion, there's the situation. And then there's the reaction to the situation. Like, for example, if we say, is a car accident an emotional experience? Well, usually right off the bat, when I ask that question, the answer, well, yeah, it's an emotional experience. And the answer is no. A car accident is two pieces of metal hitting each other at a certain velocity. Your reaction to it may or may not be emotional. And like, for example, even since the time we started this, our, our discussion here, there's been plenty of car accidents. They're just probably not emotional because you don't know about them. Now, one that you're in it, it may or may not be. So you have to realize there's the event and then there's the reaction and the reaction is, is the emotion. And that's not a judgment how you should react to something. That's not even that's not at all what I'm talking about. The reaction is 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 the reaction. And so it's the reaction that creates the emotion and the emotion is the vibration. So there's like the purging of the emotion is one thing and getting clear emotionally. And then there's on a practical level, whatever situation you're dealing with, you're dealing with. Maybe it's something you need to deal with. Maybe it's not something you need to deal with. That just depends on the situation. So it's kind of like there's, you almost want to look at it as two different things. There's the energy and then there's the story and they're two separate things. So purge the energy. Then you have a clearer head to manage your story. And then, you know, maybe there is no story. Maybe there's nothing to do. It was just uh, something that happened. And then you just, you, you need to purge it so that you can move on. Or maybe it is something that's reoccurring and it's something like, okay, this is out of whack in my life right now. This is a recurring thing that's pulling on me. And, uh, and I need to go look at this and maybe I need to have a conversation. Maybe I need to make a phone call. Maybe I need some advice and I have to really think this through. That's like an external practical. So, Really, we can sum this up into yin and yang, internal, external. Yang is external, yin is internal. And they're two separate things. You know, a lot of times internal, external are two different creatures here, two different things. For example, when I, I said earlier, it's it's not I am angry, it's I have anger type energy running through me. Well, as an entrepreneur, here's how we want to look at this, okay? This is not my shirt, it's the shirt I wear. This is not my house. It's the house I live in. This is not my car. It's the car I drive. Now, I'm not talking legal viewpoint. <laughs> From legal viewpoint, oh, sure, they're mine. But what does that even mean? But I get it. And we have to be very, very practical. But from spiritual viewpoint, this is not my shirt. At some point, me and my this shirt part ways. This is not my house. At some point, me and this house part ways. And so there's an impermanence. You could even take that in saying, this is not my body. This is the body I live in. Because at some point, me and the body are going to part ways. Mm -hmm. And that just gives a little bit of space between you and the stuff. Because as an entrepreneur, see, one of the problems with success as an entrepreneur, it's easy to always want more. Like if you have two, you want four. If you have four, you want eight. If you have eight, you want 16. And it's easy to always think that. Generally, you ask an entrepreneur, okay, when are you going to feel good about you know, your situation? I don't know, 80% of the time, the answer is when I can double my income and add a zero to my net worth. Doesn't matter the starting point. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> it's, it's, can, I, can I double it? And hey, double it. Add 10 zeros to your net worth. Triple it. Quadru I mean, it doesn't matter. That, that's a good thing. That's what we do in, you know, in the mentoring. We, we, we teach you how to do that. But at the same time, find your enough number. What's enough? Like, you don't have to put everything in your pocket. 
So you could have an enough number where this is enough and then anything beyond that. Great. But a lot of times the enough number doesn't have to be that big and crazy. So when you can get into your enough, okay, this is enough, your frequency changes and, and you can create more, especially if you're helping people and adding more value, but you don't need more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, have been, there have been studies too, and I'm not going to get this entirely accurately, but they, they measured the difference in happiness between different income levels. And there's a big jump in happiness between you know $10,000 a year and $70,000 a yeah. year. But once you, once you get past... I think the number was about $70,000 a year. The, you know, the difference between 10 and 70 is nowhere. Like you, you don't get a significantly more happiness going from 70 to 150, you know? So there's that, that I love that concept of the enough number because it's, it, it's, it's finite. It's something you can track. It's like, this is what I need. I don't need more than that. Whereas the other way measuring above and doubling and quadrupling, there's no ceiling to that. <laughs> or, or even comparing yourself. See, comparison is the thief of joy. Hmm. And, oh, well, that person has more than me. So now I was happy with what I have. But now that I saw more, I'm no longer happy with what I have. You got to be real careful of that, especially in media. I mean, I sp- all these kids and, and even even your generation looking at Instagram and people saying, hey, look at all my things. I'm so important because I, I have this thing. It's like you don't have anything. Actually, you have nothing. No thing is what you really have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and 80% of the time, it's all fake anyway. So don't believe it. You can walk up to a plane and, you know, take a picture. That's not that hard to do. It's not your plane. And who, that's a whole other question, whether, whether you really need a plane or not. And so what matters is finding your enough, your success, what's going to make you happy where you have your little sanctuary and you have your success. And then from there, you know, you're, that's it. Then you're good. I I hit that number years ago. I did that a long time ago. And so at this phase of my life, I'm having a lot of fun with, I'm doing a lot of art projects. I'm doing wonderful collaborations. I'm creating my albums. I have uh, just students and people in the mastermind that are just wonderful to work with, with entrepreneurs that are taking their world to the next level and, you know, taking these concepts and, and mastering them and applying them in in their world. Now within that, there's always ups and down and there is gain and loss and all of that comes. But ultimately, um, you know, the, the, we're a strange bunch, the entrepreneurs, uh, we're a very, very strange, strange bunch. And, and a lot of us are, are, are like unhirable. <laughs> no one would hire us, including right. ourselves. <laughs> what's, what's the Groucho Marx saying? I would never belong to a country club that would accept me as a member. <laughs> <laughs> never heard that one before. That's a good one. <laughs> so, so we can be a very, very, you know, off the beaten path. And a lot of times not too many people understand us and understand the entrepreneur because it's a different vibrational frequency. I'm not saying better or worse or anything like that. It's just a, it's a different frequency than somebody that has a, you know, a regular job or a nine to five job. Or if you're in a job and you're working on a business and you're doing your business to to get out of it, it's a different vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is that. Yeah. So fantastic. So this is, this is, not going to be a natural segue at all. Except I don't even know where my brain got this from, but we were just talking about entrepreneurship and then it just went a million different directions. So this is where we're at right now. But uh, what I was just, what, what the, 
this is maybe a selfish question, but going back to the breathing, one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, regulating these emotions. That, that's where it came from, is you're talking about the ups and downs of yeah. entrepreneurship. And I think that right. lots of meditation, people think it's like, oh, how do I not have these thoughts? But rather it's how to, how do you cycle these thoughts through you more effectively and more quick, yeah. quickly, right? And so yeah. is there anything you want to add to that? Because it's yeah, not a matter right. of preventing it. Okay. So ultimately in meditation, there's a lot of different steps and a lot of different levels in meditation, but if we want to make it really, really simple. So the, so the, by the time you're done listening to this podcast, you can understand meditation. All it is, is turning off the voice in the head. That's it. Can you, can you get the monkey mind to stop and to be quiet? And we say, now the next question is for how long? Oh, and the, that answer is now. Can you just get it quiet in the now? That's it. Because in the now, there's no time. We're not, we don't have a stopwatch. Well, I was quiet for eight seconds and I was quiet for 14 minutes. And that's going to, no, <laughs> no, that's, that's not the point. And if you're thinking that way, it's the mind's going to start talking. It's going to trick you. It's going to start saying, wow, you're so quiet. You're so cool. How long has it been now? The no voice in the head. Wow. It's been a minute now, but you're, you're, you lost it. (laughs) That's the voice in the head talking to you. (laughs) So it's, it's a sneaky thing. So all you have to do is have one moment of not thinking. And there's a few different, I mean, there's many, many different techniques of that. When I was a, when I was a kid, I asked my martial art instructor, I said, I said, what is Zen? And he looked at me smiled and sidekicked me (laughs) story. I went flying across the practice room. I hit the wall. I went crashing against the wall and I looked, he just smiled me. It said nothing. And then he walked away again. This was eighties teaching. Okay. It's hard. That's harder to do nowadays. And, but if you think about it in that one moment, as I was flying across the practice room, there was no past, there was no future. There was nothing. I was completely now. So he totally put me in the now, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through a glorious sidekick. <laughs> that was just, that was great. I just could imagine that scene so vividly. It's just a young Jason flying across a dojo. That one, one, that's one way to do it. Absolutely. So if we don't want to get flying sidekick, just listen to what John, uh, what Jason's talking about today. Uh, if you don't want that lesson. Uh, so, so I appreciate that. And I love the, the now analogy. And another thing as entrepreneurs, and you had alluded to this is that as entrepreneurs, we suffer a lot from being in the future. Right. And that's, like the yeah. you know one of the one of the opposites of now is like we're we're thinking about how we can build things and I struggle with this so maybe this is just kind of a selfish question but like where is the balance between being present and understanding that you need to be present and also needing that needing to set goals needing to have outcomes that yeah. you're pushing for but yeah. not allowing it to consume you you know I, I got I recently got that question I got this question it was a it was a doctor brilliant doctor. And sure, mind moves a million miles a minute. <laughs> you know, even how she talks, is like really, really fast. And she said to me, she said, you know, I go back and forth. I do my meditation and I feel really good, but then I don't feel like I want to get anything done. <laughs> I just want to sit and meditate. And then, but wait a minute, I have all this stuff I need to get done. So I feel like then I have to get things done and I have to go really fast and I have no meditation. So it's, you know, left or right, left or right. You know, so how do we, how do we deal with that? I said, no, 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 no. Your, your, your reference is all wrong. Let's and then you the flying sidekicked her. Yeah, that's right. I did. <laughs> but we, were, we were actually at dinner. So I just threw a glass of water right in her face. <laughs> I said, how you feeling now? 
So, no, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> it would have been a great teaching, though. <laughs> you would have remembered that teaching would have remembered. far more than any other words I said to her. Um, but I, I didn't know her that well. <laughs> so we didn't have that level of relationship. And so what I said is, is it's uh, now, if you're just listening, you have to, I'm, I'm doing a visual here. So you have like, you know, one side, the left side is, you know, movement and activity and the right side is stillness. And where's the conflict? It seems like there's a conflict. I said, no, 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 don't look at it as left and right. Do this, flip it. So the movement is on top and the stillness is underneath. Hmm. Ah, now if you can have that little bit of stillness underneath everything that you do, then you can move quickly. You can move fast. You can talk fast. You can think fast. You can think of the future. But when you have that little dollop of stillness, it's almost, it's the, it's the space in between the notes. It's mm -hmm. the, the canvas on the painting. It's the space in the room. Like there's more space or emptiness than matter or form in a room, but we just tend to look at things. We don't look at emptiness. We don't look at space because we're not trained to. And so when you can have that space underneath, then work very fast, move very fast. And then sometimes you have to drop and stop just to recharge and to like tap into it, recharge your battery and go down to the place of nothing. Kind of like what you do every 50 minutes and then you pop back up. But when you can continuously access that, because you know, back, back to emotions. It's, it's what, if, if you're always happy, you're never happy. If everything is blue, it's never blue. So you actually need the opposite. You need a little bit of dark emotion to create the high emotion because you need, you need opposite. And so, you know, next time you have a dark emotion running through you, you know, take a deep breath and say, wow, you know, this emotion's running through me and Hey, I'm creating happiness right now. <laughs> this is actually the seed of happiness. You, you need manure to create a tomato. It doesn't work with, without it. You have this cycle mm -hmm. of, you know, dark and again, yin and yang constantly, you know, to constantly cycle. So if you can keep that, then you can do all of the stuff and all of the activities and all of the movement and all of the schedule, wherever you're at in life with that. But if there's a little bit of stillness underneath it and you can feel when someone has the stillness underneath it and when someone doesn't, when they're scattered and all over the place and wait, you can feel when you have that. Mm -hmm. And here's the mastery. It's not that hard to do. It's, it's really not. What's difficult is to remember. And you only have to remember. It's not something you even have to work on. I need to work on remembering. Nope. That's the wrong way of looking at it. All you have to do is just remember now. Because it's never not now. Working on it implies future. It implies being present in the future. That's, that's the monkey mind trying to trick you. <laughs> is what that is. There's no, well, I'm going to work on being present in the future. What? That makes no sense if you really think about it. The only time you can be present is now. And the only time you do it is now. And really, when you start to make that shift energetically, that happens. Because a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with, it's not something tactical that's going to move the needle. Like everyone's trying to sell you a new pill, potion, or lotion that's tactical. Oh, now this tactic and this tactic. And now if we do this, oh, get this software. Oh, do this whatever type of tactical thing. And you need tactics. You have to have tactics. You have to have good tactics. And you ultimately, you want to have a, a mastery of tactics, but knowing that tactics are changing. 
when I was opening up wellness centers, you know, it was really, it was in the early nineties. Okay. Here was the tactic. A yellow pages ad, a good location, be a great teacher. <laughs> oh, those days were so much simpler. None of this <laughs> Facebook algorithms and, you know, and capture page and looking at the metrics and how many clicks and how many people came in and blah, 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 like all that stuff. And, you know, in businesses, you need to do that stuff, but that was it. Okay. When I would teach, uh, you know, beginning teachers, beginning instructors, how to, how to create more students, how to enroll. You're going to laugh at this one. Here's what we would do. We'd say, okay, you need more members. Here's what you do. See the phone. We had this big old telephone with a dial on it. We had, we had in the studios of the phone, look at the phone, tell it to ring. And there's somebody right now that needs this training that sincerely needs this. That needs to in their life for whatever reason, stare at that phone and tell it to ring and do it. And you'd stare at the phone and it would ring every time every time. Now, good luck scaling that business, you know, good, good, <laughs> good, good luck raising some uh, venture capital <laughs> with that marketing plan. <laughs> but it was, it was an, an energy of just uh, of certainty. And here it is. Now it, you, you could say, well, it's kind of like the rain dance, you know, when I say rain dance, do you know what I mean by that? The native American yeah. rain dance? Well, you know, rain dance guaranteed to work a hundred percent of the time. You know why? Dance till I it rains. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Love that. That <laughs> is true. Maybe a well, few hundred years, I, but <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what I do in the piano. What, what I said earlier, how I, I, I get a new idea, a new theme, a new something 100% of the time. Just wait till it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. So, okay. So you just, so let's, let's dive into this final component. I want to be respectful of your time. So I know we, uh, you blocked off time generously here, but uh, you know, you just mentioned creativity and like, you know, it's not, I think it's, fairly abnormal to say that you could release an album every single month, which you've been doing for the past 25 years and you talk or 25 years, uh, past 25 months. Uh, but like, that'd be a lot of albums. Uh, but, uh, you were, you're talking about at the very, very beginning that part of your secret sauce is just allowing yourself to be still and then letting stuff come and experimenting. Yeah. So maybe can you give us a little bit of the behind the scenes, uh, maybe beyond that of, of if, if we're an entrepreneur, we're looking at I mean, our, maybe our creativity isn't an album, but like, Give us yeah. a behind the scenes walkthrough of your creative process to be able to do this much output. Okay. So, and that's a really good question it is there, there's a mastery of a creative process as an entrepreneur. You, you really want to look at and you want to pursue mastery. And something about mastery is that the hardest skill set to mastery is the first or to master is the first skill set you master. Why? Because you're simultaneously learning mastery and you're learning the skill set. And then the second skill set, well, you already went through mastery. And so it's a little easier. So once you get to the fourth or fifth skill set, it's really not that hard. It's just making the decision and then having the juice, having the energy and having the focus to be able to say, hey, I, I want to master this skill set and have mastery of it. And so it's as, as you get older and better at this, it becomes easier and easier to do. And as an entrepreneur, well, you want to be creative and you also want to master the use of your subconscious mind. And how do you use that to be creative and to solve problems? The subconscious mind loves to solve problems, whether it's, you know, a crossword puzzle or, you know, building a bomb. It's still, that's what it does. So our, our, our minds, our minds love to do this really, not just the subconscious and the subconscious will, kick out things that you put into it. 
And, you know, it's the fertile soil analogy. This is a very old analogy. It's it, fertile soil doesn't care what you plant in it. You plant poison ivy, you point an oak tree, fertile soil just plants. So the subconscious mind is the same way. And a lot of times that's a question that you can ask it, sometimes even a command. I'll give my subconscious mind a command. When I first built up the skill set, it was always in a question, but then it, then it was a command. So for example, I remember the first time I did this, it was years ago. I was amazed when it worked. I was actually moving my residence. I was doing all this stuff and I had, I wanted to finish an album. It was a piano album and I didn't have time to do it. And I started something and I went through it and then I got walked away from the piano and I looked at myself and I pictured myself right there on the piano. I said, right, finish the album. And I walked away. I did something else. I come back two days later. It's 80% done. Huh? Interesting. Well, that actually comes back to, this is something I teach in meditation mastery is I was taught this, you know, Decades ago, this old Taoist master taught me this little secret of meditation. And how do you meditate 10,000 hours a day? Well, the answer is very masterfully. How do you meditate 10,000 hours a day? And the logical mind says, wait a minute, there's only 24 hours a day. That's impossible. Well, okay, you can leave the room. I'm talking to everyone that actually first believes it's possible because it is very possible. And it's really not that hard to meditate 10,000 hours a day. And here's what you do. You do your meditation. This is every time I do meditation, I teach this. When you're finished, you open your eyes. Okay, you're done. You take a few seconds, you stand up, and then you picture yourself right where you were meditating. You see it just how you were. It's almost like in a movie. If you, you walk out of your body and there's still a ghost right there, the ghost is still sure. meditating and you picture it and you just see it for a moment. Then you go on and do your thing. Then there's a part of you that's still meditating. Then the next day, the next day, oh, wow, I've been doing it 24 hours. Wow. And then the next day you meditate 48 hours and it's only a couple months before you get to 10,000 hours a day when there's a part of you. And what that starts to do, what I mentioned earlier, the little bit of stillness that goes underneath. Underneath. Yeah. That's what that starts to affect. And then there's a little bit of space between action and reaction. And then there's a little bit of stillness in your head and you're not all over the place. It's okay to move fast. I move very fast in certain things. And so that's it. But it's different when there's space, like speed with space or speed without space has a different tone, a different vibrational frequency. And then if you move fast all day without space, a lot of times at the end of the day, you feel tired. You feel, you feel exhausted. Like you emptied the tank. When you move with space at the end of the day, it's still now you're okay. And you can say, oh, I, I, I had a lot of things, I got a lot of things done today, or I had a, you know, we can use the word productive day, whatever that means. What I encourage you not to use is the word busy. Oh, I'm so busy. No, bees and beavers are busy. I'm present. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never busy. Oh, I might have a full book in my schedule. Some, some days I'm scheduled, dunk a dunk, you know, one after another, one after, okay. Am I ever busy? No. But scheduled, I might have that, or I might have space in my day, or I might have activity in my day. But don't don't ever be busy, and make sure that you're going to be present. Yeah, I love that. And I think another really way to nail this in for people is like think about when the most creative ideas come to you. Most of the times, it's like in the shower. It's it's not like yeah. when you're staring at your computer, and that's your subconscious mind at work. And I think if we're more conscious of that, and we allow for more gaps, for more silence, that we really kind of get to that point where, you know, for like meditation, you can meditate 10,000 hours. It's like, allow yourself to have that freedom to expand 
when you don't have to be actively thinking about it. And I think that that's a part of our mind that we're not very often thinking about how we can tap into. And I think it was, who was it? Um, Benjamin Franklin that would ask a question to a subconscious mind every night before he went to bed uh, and like, you know, kind of just let himself to work on it overnight. And I think that that's something that's really powerful that we don't talk about that much. Well, and you know what, and that's a lot of the albums I'm doing uh, are translations. It's the I Ching. It's a 6,000 year old language and I'm translating symbols into sound into music. And so what I, what part of the process is I set everything up. I set all the recording, everything's ready to roll at night and I work on something and I just think about it and I go to bed thinking about it and thinking about the themes and you know, the whole process. And then I wake up at like five or five thirty, and I record and then I get it and I can, I do the whole album in one, in one sitting and I can do it. But it's not really the it's, you know, there's a couple hours of recording, but it's really not that it's all of the prep work, you know, that happened at night. You know, I'm doing this one project uh, for a company. I can't say the company yet, um, but maybe by the time this airs, I can we can put it in the notes. But I'm, I'm writing some sleep music. It's Zen Piano for Sleep. And uh, the owner of this company, it's, it's a couple. They're, they're brilliant. They're like off the charts. Brilliant. She's so brilliant. And she was telling me about, uh, I think it was Thomas Edison, how he would be creative. He would, he would hold a ball in his hand and then he would like doze off and it would fall and then it, it would yeah. wake him up and, and, and jolt him. I might be butchering the story a little bit, but that's the idea. And then a lot of the ideas. And so like you're dropping down and coming up and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do that with sleep music. I'm going to take that technique and I'm going to write, I'm going to write sleep music for, you know, for your, for your group. I didn't use a ball. I did I use something else. You know, I don't, I don't need to, didn't need to do that. Uh, but it was, but it was a little, it was a kind of a, it was a great experience and the way that this comes out, you'll, 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 you'll pass out so quickly with this music. It's, it's, it's Zen piano for sleep. The first time I did it, I was actually too tired at night. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it at night. I'll wake up in the morning. I woke up at five 30 in the morning, ready to record. I had all the ideas. I knew what I was going to do. I went to do one note and I said, Nope, can't do it. I can't record sleep music at five 30 in the morning. It doesn't work. This is wake music. This is time mm. to be awake. And so then I went the next night because it just didn't feel right. Then I did that. And I like, I passed out, you know, for five minutes, I woke back up. I was so tired. I, you know, it was like midnight or one in the morning or something, you know, and I, I come like, you know, sludging up to the piano, everything's rolling and recording like half asleep and doing it. And I got 30 minutes in one take. It came out so perfectly because the energy of sleep was in each note. Mm. It was, there was the, the frequency was in each note and it's like, it just couldn't be recorded in the morning. And I, I didn't, that was a little new lesson for me because I had never tried that before. And so that was a lot of fun about the energy. So, okay, what's a tie in to an entrepreneur? Well, there's different times of the day. You're going to have different mojo to do things. And everyone's a little different. Some people like to stay up late. Some like to get up early in the morning and you only have to master your own schedule. And, and it'll also change. I mean, we have like genetic tendencies, but then they, they kind of change with age or <laughs> throw a kid into the mix. <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a child that, 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 you know, puts a hand grenade in your schedule. But, you know, whatever you're dealing with, you're going to find uh, your own mojo. And that's just and that's part of it. See, I like to when I take it with entrepreneurs, one of the things we do is let's look at your week. And let's look at 168 hours in your week and let's look at the flow of your schedule. Like where's, you know, it, it was this schedule masterfully designed or was it just designed based on random or was it designed based on desperation? You know, just saying yes to yes to everything. 
Um, you know, I taught, I taught my, uh, the woman, this is a decade or so ago, a woman that cut my hair. I kind of taught her this because she was all over the place. And, okay, well, no, do your schedule. Have it compact. And I, I taught just while she's sitting there cutting my hair because I, I, she wasn't a client. I just, I just taught her that. Well, then, of course, she does that. And she doubles her business. She does half the, half the work. But then it didn't work well for me because I liked being able to call like the day before. Can you get me in at four? And she couldn't <laughs> do that anymore. Got too busy. Because <laughs> I'm the so, worst client. I'm the one that I'm say I want those rules to apply to everyone else. But me, I want to be able to call her. <laughs> I mean, I think because you gave her the idea, you kind of had the you should get a special ticket that you get to skip the line or something like that. That's right. <laughs> but so I want I want to go back before and you do, you're doing such a you're doing my job for me. I can just let you talk for 60 minutes. You're like translating this into, into entrepreneurship language, which is a incredible. But I wanted to take a step step back to go back to the sleeping thing. And I want to tell you about a problem I had last night. And that last night I had my, my aura ring and mm. I didn't shut, I didn't shut off before bed enough. Like I was, I was thinking I was, I, I, I had a project I wanted to get done really quickly. And I did it probably around eight or 9 PM, which is not a good idea, but like I could tell before I went to bed, I'm like, my mind is way too active. I'm not going to sleep well tonight. Yeah. Maybe that even ruined it even yes. more, but I yes. woke up and I checked, I checked my, my aura ring sleep scores. Like you got a 45, you slept like ass. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I think that this is a really thing that I'm trying to get better at is shutting down and also leveraging mindfulness to improve sleep as well, which is a whole nother world of how things are better. So any tips for how we can increase our improve our sleep by leveraging okay. meditation? Yeah. And pres- okay, so sleep is a skill set that you need to master. So start with that. Start with the mindset of mastery of sleep. Oh, and that's that's like that's the foundation of it. And then also think of yourself, okay, I already am a master of sleep. It's a little trick of mastery mm. of that you in your mind, even if it's not true, even if it's a little delusional, you just have fun with it and say, look, this is a skill set. I got this. I'm totally good. Cause if you think you suck, you usually will, especially mm-hmm. with sleep. And so that's the, that's the first part. The second part is you got to be careful of the devices. Now I like wearables. I'm it. I'm an investor in many wearable companies and I write music for a bunch of wearables. Okay. So let me start with that. So I like wearables and right now you won't see anything, anything on my hand I've, I've had aura rings I've, I've, I've had them all. So I love the wearables at the same time. Uh, maybe I can give you in the show notes. I want to give you a little link to wonder woman's take on wearables. If you remember from one of the wonder woman's movie, I, it's something I, I send this to all my entrepreneurial <laughs> friends that, that own wearable companies. I send this to them. They love me for it. When she, she's learning what a watch is, and then he's like, you know, it's a watch. It tells you when to wake up, when to work, when to sleep. And she says something to the effect of, you let a tiny device tell you what to do <laughs> in her, in her glorious Wonder Woman. Okay. It's better when she says it. So, so <laughs> then when I say we'll it, put that in the show notes, I'll find it. <laughs> but you need to be careful of the devices, like telling you what to do. Be very, very careful of that. So, cause here's what happens. I've, when I've worked with some entrepreneurs, the aura ring has worked against them because you get too anxious about your sleep score. It's kind of like if you're trying to lose weight, looking at a scale three times a day, it's mm-hmm. not going to help you because then you're just going to, it's going to go up and down and then you're going to get happy and then sad, happy and sad. No, if you're really doing that, put away the scale, do it once a week and get it, just get it out of your bedroom. So you can't even just, just walk by it. So sometimes you got to put the aura ring in the closet and, and I like aura ring. I, I know all the aura ring people from, from genius network. So don't, it's, it's actually probably in the best device that's out there for, you know, for sleep, for sleep tracking. Okay. So that's the first thing. That's the flyover. The second thing is flip the mindset. And what does flip the mindset mean? Okay. A lot of times, let's say you have to wake up at six. I'm just going to make up numbers and you pop up at four 
And you wake up at four. Oh, wow. I'm not going to get enough sleep. I can't believe oh, I need to go back to sleep. I only have two hours. Wah, wah, wah. Stress, stress, stress. No, flip it. Because here's what you're going to know. There's a really good chance at 6 a.m. You're not going to want to get out of bed. You're going to, well, you'd rather sleep when six comes. Mm-hmm. So if you wake up at four o'clock, then, ah, oh, this is so awesome. I have two hours. Oh, I'm so happy. I can just sit here and relax. And, oh, this is so wonderful. I have two hours. Flip it. And if you so wake what up. Happens, what happens if it's at one in the morning, though? <laughs> and it's two. You would just get up and, and start no. your day? Oh, no, not. No, I don't. I don't mean get up. I mean, stay in bed at four. Oh, okay. Stay in bed and rest and just enjoy it. I mean, unless if you want to get up, that's one thing, but just enjoy the moment of not okay. having to get up because we all love staying in bed <laughs> in the morning. If you do it in one, the same thing, the same thing. Oh, this is so awesome. It's only one o'clock. I still have five more hours to just sit here and relax and, and don't try and go to sleep because it's, it's impossible to try and go to sleep. Just enjoy the moment. Or listen just, to some Zen piano. <laughs> actually, the Zen piano is very good for that. And then, and just breathe. And, and, but the, the flip is enjoying it. And your device can say a 45, it can say a hundred, whatever. Your device is going to say whatever it's going to say. And don't let that psych you out mm. um, or like uh, affect you. Before the device, what, what I, before the rings and stuff with sleep scores, when I would always advise against like counting the hours the next day. Oh, I only got four hours of sleep. I'm going to be tired today. What does that help you? Mm-hmm. Okay. You got whatever sleep that you're, that you're going to get. Now, granted, I used the aura ring. I did three months of the aura ring. It was actually, it was a combination. It was a conversation with Dave Asprey that inspired me to finally get it. Cause I resisted getting it. And okay. So I got it and I did it. I, it was good for me. I learned something. I learned when my sweet spot was for my REM sleep and it wound up being between 4am and 6am. That was my sweet spot. And it was usually I was up at five or five 30. I was like, okay, well, let me try something. Let me adjust it. Let me sleep until six and see what happens. And that kept me in my sweet spot. And then after a while I started waking up right at four, like four on the dot every morning. And I'd look at the clock and say, Oh, this is interesting. I'm up at four. So now is my sweet spot. Okay. I got two hours. Boom. I drop right in deep REM sleep, wake right up at six. And then I'd look at the ring, I'd look at the score, and it was like, that was my REM sleep. And that's when I got it. And I started doing that. However, you know, then the question is, is why was, you know, once I got that in my head, that that was my deep slot, my, my sweet spot, how much was in my head creating it and making me wake up at four and then making yeah. me wake up at six? We'll never know the answer to that. Um, and ultimately, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you get deep restful sleep every night because ultimately meditation is unconscious sleep and sleep is, or excuse me, uh, meditation is conscious sleep is like sleep is unconscious meditation. Mm. And because it's about dropping down, you know, we have these different states. We have, um, uh, like Delta, gamma, alpha, beta, and, uh, theta, uh, states And each one of those states is like a, is a vibrational frequency. That's why you kind of use the music using the music and some of the frequency to drop in. But all those are, is just, you know, vibrations per second uh, of being able to drop in. And, and again, this is, you know, part of mastery. Can you drop into a meditation? Can you drop into sleeping? The other thing is sometimes everyone's a little different. So this, you know, 80% of the time, this is usually true. It's sometimes you didn't earn your sleep. You didn't push your body hard enough. You didn't sweat right. enough that day. 
you know, so it's like never really awake, never really asleep. You wind up going in the middle. So that's another thing. And then breath work and meditation. See, I can go by, I can function really well on shorter hours of sleep, but that's because I drop down throughout the day into those different brain states. So, 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 you know, I'm still getting it. I'm like, I'm getting what I need, but I can, I just do it a little bit differently than just, Oh, I need eight hours of sleep. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. If you need it, everyone needs something different, but I don't need to be in bed for, for eight hours. Uh, cause yeah, I yeah. drop down throughout, throughout the day. That's refreshing to know. And hopefully, I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't have an aura ring or you're not tracking your sleep, I think that, that my huge t- takeaway from that is like, stop putting so much pressure on yourself, <laughs> you know, like yeah, if you have data and it can supplement and make better decisions for you. But like, if you just kind of like, I, I think that was just a huge thing. It's like, if I'm up at one in the morning, stop trying to fall asleep, like really just be, you know, be present in the moment and grateful for the fact that you get to sleep more and just flip it a little bit. So lots of script flipping. I, I think I said that right script flipping that you've done today. So Jason, you've been so, so generous with your time. This has been incredible. And I I'm sure people are like really excited about, um, starting to implement all this stuff that we've been talking about today. So I know we'll link it up in the show notes. Um, it, it, did you want to, did you want to do uh, something? Yeah, let's do, I'll tell you what, let's do one. One little uh, Zen piano. Let's do like Let's a little, do a couple minute, couple minute meditation. For those listening, I just got to watch Jason and his incredible setup as he transitioned to his his piano in his house here. So now he's got a completely different microphone. He's in front of his piano right now, and he's going to play some music with us. So, or maybe you can give us some context. What are you going to play, Jason? This is well, going to be a first on the podcast. Yeah, let's do a little bit of uh, what we spoke about earlier about listening to the space in between the notes, and let's do this as a discipline, as an exercise to stop the voice in the head. Because here, if I play, listen to the overtones. And so I'll go through maybe two or three minutes and I'll play something. But in Zen piano, the space in the music creates space in your head. So see if you can listen to that. So about two minutes here.
So did you have one moment, even a split second, where the voice in the head turned off and you had a little bit of space in between the thoughts? And if you did that, then you can't unring that bell. There's a Japanese word called satori that generally translates into a glimpse of enlightenment, just a moment. And there's another saying that a, like a glimpse of enlightenment is forever enlightened. Enlightened. In other words, you can't unring that bell. So once you start to experience the little dollop of space, well, there's a crack, and you can't uncrack that. And so now, work it to cultivate it. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely incredible. So I just have two last questions for you as we wrap things up here. And um, then people can jump immediately from this and go listen to your music because I've been listening to it this entire week in preparation for for this. And I also use it in my meditation. And it's just absolutely incredible. And also, it's kind of funny because whenever I turn on my car, sometimes it just randomly turns on a random song and I'll just get <laughs> some Jason Campbell music. And I always, I always think of you. Uh, so uh, the last question is, what, what does happiness mean to you, Jason, as somebody that has spent so much time being present and in the moment and helping people to do this kind of stuff. What is your kind of understanding of what happiness means to you today? Well, let's, there's a few, a lot of different definitions of happiness. If you, uh, go to a little bit of Earl Nightingale, let's go retro here. I think in the seventies, he said, you know, he talked about success and he said, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Okay. So that kind of means that you're growing a lot of times happiness is to not be found in comfort, but to be found in growth and that you're expanding. And so if you're always comfortable, like what we said before, if everything is blue, nothing is blue. And so if you're always comfortable, then you're never comfortable. You need a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of push to, to grow. I mean, uh, the first Buddha, Siddhartha, used to talk about that when he would say, where there's no suffering, there's no enlightenment. And so in terms of happiness, at the end of the day, happiness is some type of growth. When you find yourself growing, you find yourself expanding. But let's be careful because, you know, if you're happy all the time, you're never happy. So you need the opposite to create happiness. Beautiful. We'll not add anything on top of that. So incredible. Where can people find out more about the stuff, stuff that you have going on, Jason? Uh, the easiest is zenpiano.com. That's the hub. And to just uh, go there. Cool. And I will also do my best to have everything added inside of the show notes. If you want to listen directly to Spotify and hop over to Jason's music and see his Zen wellness and all that other good stuff. So Jason, this has been a blast. This is probably a first and a last. I don't know the next time we're going to have someone play some beautiful piano for us on the actual recording. So thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to continuing the conversation, my friend. Hey, likewise, this was a uh, great interview and, and, and great job. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week 
just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.